Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. It's episode 59 and it's the last episode before Christmas. Merry Christmas everyone. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And this week I am joined by one of my favourite actors and I can't quite believe that I get to do this. But please welcome to the podcast, Jack Deem. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Hello. Hello, Ingram. How are you? I'm good. How are we this fine Monday morning? Well, it is Monday. It's a bit, yeah, the start of the week. So, yeah, still warming up, but yeah. yeah. It's a nice way to start the week speaking to you, so... <laughs> Oh, this is honestly my favourite way to start the week is speaking to you. Um, how's life just now? It's not too bad. The sun's out. I can feel it coming through the window, so all's good. It's um, yeah, it's um, yeah. It it's been a strange old eighteen months with oh. everything that's been going on. So yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's nice to sort of feel like things are slowly getting back to normal. It's all right for some. The sun coming through the window. I'm in Glasgow. It's still freezing here. Ah, yeah. Oh no, there's there's that winter chill starting to creep in. So yeah. Well, we get three days of summer weather throughout the entire year. So yeah, we had those in April. (laughs) I know. Well, I've sort of moved further south as well, so I get a little bit more. Same thing. Being in the middle in Manchester was too cold. So Mm. yeah, my mum lives near Chichester, down near Brighton, Mm -hmm. and I was on the phone to her yesterday, and she was like, "Still roasting here. I could walk about with just a top on and like." Um, she'll obviously not just a top. She means like with no jumper. <laughs> She's just not yeah. walking around half naked. Um, and I'm like, I've got to put a jacket on to go to the shop now. Like this yep. isn't fun anymore. Um, but what I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting, and what was your first ever role? I, well, I went to college to do an A level, so that was the you know that that was my path. My original path was to go to college, do an A level, like a lot of people, then drama school, and then so on and so forth. But while we were in the first year of doing the A-level, there was a, an open audition that was advertised in the Manchester Evening News. And this was, yeah, probably sort of seven or eight months into the into the course. So loads of people had gone for it. I mean, loads of people, pretty much everyone who was not even doing the theatre studies course, people that were doing any course were going for it. And I reluctantly was like, no, there's no point, no point going for it. And there was a few of us who didn't go for it. Anyway, it got reopened. So we kind of took it as a sign of going... Oh well, let's let's have a go. And we went on down, and 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 then a couple of us got a recall, and then from there another recall, and then it was down to two of us, me and another lad, and and then I got cast in it. So that was the first role, and that was a screenplay for BBC Two, directed by Chris Bernard, and had a fantastic cast. Alison Stedman played my mum. Stratford Johns played stepdad, and it was just three, four weeks of of just learning how to work with a camera. And it, and because I was only 16 at the time, I was still quite, you know, that thing that a lot of people have when they're younger, which is just, yeah, let's just go with it. So there was, there was no fear of it, which was, yeah. which was great. I don't think you get that anymore because I am, even when I'm like in acting for screen classes at uni, I am fucking terrified of that camera. Yeah, but I th- and I think, you know, it's something that was never on the agenda when, when we were being taught. So I know I know drama schools now seem to or I hear have a bit more attention to camera work, but there's nothing like being there and learning on the job. 
really. Yeah. So when you went for that open call and end up getting the part, did that sort of end the sort of drama school journey? Or did you go to drama school? I couldn't find out on the internet. There was there was not much. No. <clears throat> no. Basically from there, I got an agent. There was a couple of agents I went to meet, one in Manchester, and then the other one was Alison Stedman's agent at the time, uh, Lou, who I'm still with now, um, <laughs> 30 years on. She then was sending me for, I mean, loads of auditions. So that first one where there was loads of people going for it and then you got it, you kind of thought, oh, well, that's the way it's going to work. The best learning curve I had was then not getting jobs for yeah. a whole year. And, and I mean, and at that time, it was when, and especially when you're starting out when you're 16, 17, everyone's open to sort of seeing you because you're new talent. So, so you know, and, and being able to go and meet casting directors was, was great at that time, but it just meant being on the train constantly. So slowly, I was just not at college Yeah, a lot of time. And then the tutor, who was like, look, you've got to make a decision, you're either in or out. And it was like, well, I'm gone then. Yeah. That, so that halfway through the second year, I think I left. I went back because I had to do the, um, you know, when you're doing your A-levels, you've got your monologues, duologues, and your group piece. So we'd already started rehearsing and so we went back to, to finish off everybody else's course. I mean, that's really cool because there are some people that would have just been like, now, nah, fuck you, I'm done. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I've met loads of mates there. Yeah. Like you do at college. And, and the best thing for me about going to college was I had the option of going to a college in, in Oldham. But the, the drama teacher that I had at school encouraged me and, and was adamant that I should go to Manchester. And, it, and I think the reason why he did it, and he was absolutely right, was just to get me out of the the town into a city to meet new people and just to open yeah up my sort of experience of, of moving on and getting out mm. i think with you talking about like them saying you've got to make a decision there's this really weird sort of crossroads at the moment with drama school because half of the people that i talk to if they go to their uni and say hey i've booked a professional job they say well you can't have time off i'm really lucky in regards of where i go to because I'm directing a play at the moment and I've got this podcast. The first question I asked was, are we allowed time off if we like need for like professional work? Like I'm not going to rip the piss with it or anything, but like yeah. if I've got, if somebody says I can only do Tuesday at 11 o'clock in the morning, am I cool to miss the morning session? And they were like, yeah, of course. And I just think it's such a weird prospect of a drama school saying, no, you can't have time off to do professional work because the end that's the end goal, isn't it? Yeah, well, it makes no sense because it's only it can only be a benefit to go out and, and learn on the job, like I said. So yeah, I don't understand why drama schools would do that. It was um I was talking to Ethan Lawrence, who was in bad education with Jack Whitehall. Right. And he went to I can't remember the name of the uni, but he booked bad education in his first year of uni. And they were sort of like, Well, your filming dates, they cross over one of your exams so no you can't do this or you'll fail that module and he was like well I'm failing the module yeah and I just think it's so weird that drama schools feel inclined to do that it's a bit strange I mean I've got to say there's there a few jobs that I've done and younger people coming on who were still at drama school had been given time off so maybe that's just a, an exception rather than the than the rule oh yeah but, don't get me wrong like half of the people that i speak to are like no we're not allowed time off and then i've been really lucky and loads of other people that i know are really lucky that people yeah they do say yeah go and do it yeah go and, go and do it don't worry yeah. about the essay like we'll we'll pass you and that's that's what i think needs to happen but 
what I also like to ask everyone is you've got to do so many cool things. Like you just said there, one of your first gigs, um, Alison Steadman, who is an absolute legend. If you're listening, Alison, please come on the podcast. I am a <laughs> huge fan. Um, was playing your mum and things. What has been your biggest what the fuck is happening moment? I don't know, really. I mean, it's it's that weird thing when you're setting off, you can't. And it's that thing of, um, I think most people who, who set off, they kind of have an expectation anyway, what, what's going to happen, how it's going to go and all the rest of it. So you kind of go, well, yeah, I expected this to happen, so it's fine. I think it's when you're on the downward spirals where you go, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. When, you know, you did uh, things like, I remember I hadn't, I'd, again, been out of work, and this was through my 20s where I was out of work a lot. And, um, you know, having to go and do other jobs here and there and just to just to get money together to afford to get to London half the time to do an audition. <laughs> and I think it was, I think it was, well, it was the leading supermarket, let's say that, I can't remember which one it was. But part of the interview was role play for the for the to work on a till and i didn't get it so i'm like thinking i can't even act my way into asda or wherever it was <laughs> and someone called betty gets the job and i think i remember sitting around the around the group because everyone got sat in a big uh, circle of chairs and i was just thinking what am i doing here leaning back and then toppled straight over so maybe <laughs> maybe that didn't help but yeah so the it's a, it's a downward spiral to me where i'm where i was always like what more, what am I doing? Yeah, I, I've. I think we've all had. We've all had them moments, haven't we? I, I, I yeah. sometimes. I, I was talking to one of my lecturers about it the other day. I have what I call a bullshit barrier, and you know, like when you're doing them really bullshitty exercises in uni, when they're like, let your spine melt into the floor. Like all of yeah. and I'm just sat there going, this is bullshit. Oh, and they're like, you're gonna play with a ball that's not really there. I'm just like, this is bullshit i remember i was going through my notes not long ago from my first uni course that i dropped out of and i had wrote in a notebook if this man wasn't a drama lecturer he'd have probably been sectioned by now well i think that about most actors to be fair <laughs> yeah in- including myself i'll put in that bracket oh no i think if our industry didn't exist then yeah the, the asylums would be full <laughs> but going from talking about not having work um i want to talk about shameless shameless is my absolute favorite tv show of all time i bang on about it all the time my lecturers are getting quite sick of me talking about shameless and bringing everything back around to shame but i think it's really important and it it's a really great tv show what um what was the audition process for shameless like for you <laughs> well i was in the park um meeting a mate of mine because we played football in i think it was regent's park there was loads of actors got together and met up in another game of football um and it was only me and him that turned up. And he had been cast as Marty in Shameless. But he was having uh, second thoughts for, for a number of reasons about, about taking it on. So he'd, he'd had a conversation with me about it. And I said, well, if you really feel that strongly, then don't, you know, don't do it. But give them my number when you quit. Well, both me and him had worked on clocking off together. So anyway, he, he gave Paul a call, Paul Abbott, who wrote the show, and said, look, thanks for the offer, but I'm going to decline. And he said, well, where are you now? He said, I'm just in the park. I said, are you with? He said, Jack. He said, put him on. So he put me on. I said, are you? I said, are you? He said, do you want to do it? I went, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite that straightforward, but that is what happened. So Johnny Campbell, uh, who was directing, had a casting session. So I went to meet him and we talked it through and I had a crack at it and he saw a few other people. Um, and then, yeah, from that. And, th- and I think the turnaround was quite quick from getting cast and then shooting. So there wasn't much time to really work on him. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really until I had, and and Marty was only going to be one episode in that first series. That's all he was ever going to be. But Paul was then taken by him and 
and and saw what he could do with him. And then that's when he wrote both myself and Marjorie Yates as as Carolyn to such a great character. Mark is one of my favourites. It was I haven't watched Shameless in a while, and um, we were looking for film and TV monologues the other day. And one of my friends in uni, I was like, oh, there's a Veronica monologue. I know exactly where it is. It's in the party scene. Let me find it for you. So I just, I went and watched the episode. I think it's like season two, episode six, something like that. And um, I'd completely forgot about it. And it's one of my favorite lines in Shameless where you come down the stairs and you're like, Kev asked me to give him a wank once. Yes. And it's... (laughs) I just think it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, see, I haven't watched it for eight. I haven't watched it. Funnily enough, I did watch a few of them when they went, because they repeat them on Channel 4, didn't they? Um, mm-hmm. Start lockdown first series. And I've got to say, most of it stands up. Most of it really oh, yeah. stands up for something that's nearly 20 years old. The thing that really dates it is that is the look of it. It's yeah. The, the technology now has moved on so much, and at the time, we were cutting edge. But one of the things that really made it as well was the, was the camera operator, Tony, TSL. He, um, he trained as an actor. So all them little pop shots and zoom-ins that you see, he was so on it and he knew every actor so well that he would get it absolutely on the sweet spot of someone's reaction to stuff. So that really made it. And then it, what was interesting was watching it when he left and the new DLP went in, is that you could see that he waited for it. So it just came just slightly afterwards and it changed the way for me, it kind of yeah. changed something. And I didn't realise just how important that was. I still think it stands up, even though, yeah, some of it you can tell when it was filmed and things. I still think it's a great modern programme about modern-day Britain. And I will say this, the American version is shit, and they have one of the biggest TV budgets in America. See, I watched the first series of show, and, and the, the thing that's missing, and the biggest character in Shameless is the estate itself. Mm. And that's what you can't kind of duplicate over there. Oh, the nearest thing I've seen to it is is something like My Name is Earl, which yeah. had a different tone, but it kind of had those, it had the environment where those sorts of characters could exist that were similar to, to what we had in Shameless. I know Paul is, Abbott wrote it, and I know that, it, like, I love Paul Abbott, one of my heroes, but it's shit. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm not going to beat well, around the bush. He kind, he kind of didn't. He, I think when he wrote it, he had gone over to adapt it over there. He didn't really change that much on that first series. And I think it just kind of worked against itself. Mm. Whereas series two, they went, if we're going to make this work, we've got to do it ourselves. And then yeah. went off in a different tangent. So I've not seen, I've not really seen it, but I know that, what are they on now, series eight? I think nine, 11. Is it? Yeah, I think they've finished, actually, thank God. Right. Um but yeah, I, I was joking the other day and said I would never have somebody from Shameless US on here because it's shit. Like, and I wouldn't be able to sit there and tell them it was good. Willie Makes Macy gave you a call to one and said, Ingram, I'm, I'm knocking around. Do you want to do a couple of hours? I mean, I would probably say yes, but I wouldn't <laughs> be able to get around the fact that... Well, you could I, bring it up. You could probably have a conversation. Yeah. You know. And it's also like David Threlfall is a god. So, like, I can never imagine anyone playing Frank Gallagher other than David. No. And I, I, and same. It's, um, but it's it was never going to yeah. be. It was never going to be. Did um did anything from the set make it home with you? Any little props you can confirm or deny? Um, not that I recall. No. I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing worth taking, to be fair. Not that the, I can remember. Apparently, at the end uh, of one uh, of the series, there was just full-blown looting apparently jody latham took the jockey sign well that doesn't surprise me he'll have it <laughs> he'll have it on ebay in a couple of years do you have a favorite behind the scenes story from shameless to be honest i was drinking quite a lot at the time so i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> i can relate to that yeah well we were all in you know we were all in our 
twenties, and Manchester was, and we were all staying in Manchester as well. So it was uh, the, the social scene after, and it was kind of encouraged a lot of it. So yeah, you know, we were always talking about. I mean, um, the characters were always, over anyway, so most of well, the time. exactly, it kind of lends itself, and more, more so when I went back because I had a massive gap. I think I left after series three and then went back. I don't even know what series it was because it. Was, I want to say seven. It was more like yeah, and it was it was a completely different beast by then. And yeah. I mean, it was a proper role in production line. It was a, it was yeah, it was the studio was there and everything was just a machine. But I used to love working with the kids because you could, th- their responses were were always much more. Um, they were always happier for me to just improvise around Marty with the Tourette's and things like that. So that it it was much more a much more natural response and it was easier than to to just be free in those scenes. So I remember the day with me and Jed and. Um, Elliot on the, I think Marty, I think Nick an ice cream van to do a robbery. We're all in tights and stockings. On was that when you were like um, robbing the nurse's shit back? After, yes, that's right. Um, yeah. Carl had like, let his mates in the house. And then we nicked the nurse. Yeah, the yeah. end. That's right. Yeah. See, with Marty, and because you had a lot, you had a lot of scenes with like Elliot and Rebecca Ryan, who played Debbie. How, because they were kids at the time, and obviously Marty was had Tourette's, and how were the younger actors like censored from the swearing? <laughs> no, they weren't. So Rebecca Ryan just no, had no. to learn a lot of fun words while she was like thirteen. Oh yeah. Oh, she had a great time. So did Elliot. They, they had a ball. You know, you. Oh, just, I can't you imagine. Ever get the chance to speak from that. <laughs> you know, it was you know they weren't going to school. They were having tutors every now and again, pop in and do a couple of hours. But then they were just they were having a great time. <laughs> what was um your favourite storyline to be a part of? I think I really enjoyed all the stuff like I say with, with Rebecca, where she was sort of training Marty to calm down when he was trying to. Um, I am a good man with a lot to offer. There you go. <laughs> all that stuff. And, and like I say, it was, yeah, no, there was, there was some good stuff early on. And I, I remember all the stuff with the dog as well. Yeah. And and again, it was, it's that thing when you start off doing something as well and you don't really know what it is, what it's going to be. Mm. So the early, I remember going watching the um, the screening, I think it was in, I remember where it was, I think it might have been Dean, Dean's Gate Locks. Um, and the show, does the first two episodes and it was completely unexpected because no one had ever seen anything like that the way it'd been shot the way the story was and, and you think you know what you're making and then you watch it and you go oh what is this and it was it was proper refreshing and like you say no one had really presented a council estate in that in that fashion where it was being celebrated and in, in a lot yeah. of aspects um you know and i was brought up on a council estate so i knew those people i knew those things and paul you know has said it was it was autobiographical and he's very much the lip character who, you know, educated himself and got got out and up. Yeah, no, it's it was such a groundbreaking trailblazing show. And I think it's it's paved the way for a lot of people to come into the industry and do their own sort of thing. The play that I wrote with um my best friend wouldn't be in existence if it weren't for Shameless. Right. I wrote a dramedy about a family on a council estate. Right. Don't get me wrong, it's not that much of a carbon copy as the way that I've just like phrased it it's it's very different to shameless but there's core elements that wouldn't be in there if i wouldn't have been exposed to that yeah and the thing is we you know what you know paul writing from his experiences is is what you should always write from yeah anyway. um especially when you're starting out and, and you want to find your voice then mm. that's you know paul came through i think 
through like Coronation Street at the time. And, you know, we were lucky that there were so many good writers coming through mm. just at the time when we were the age that we were. Yeah. And that, you know, Manchester again just found its voice round about that, round about the turn of the millennium. And also big companies in Manchester just starting out. So we were very fortunate that we, we just happened to be there at that time. Mm. So it's, you know. Obviously, we've all sort of been locked at home for the past 18 months. And then I woke up one morning and Shameless UK had been added to Netflix. Have you noticed a resurgence in, a resurgence, I should say that word properly, in like popularity? with the show being added to Netflix. It's one of those, it's never really stopped. Yeah. Um, it's it's strange. And, you know, now you've got kids coming up to you asking about it who, who weren't even born when we were making it. I, I, I so definitely started watching it when I was too young to watch it. Yeah, well, I think most people did. And I remember me and, again, Jed, because Jed lived in Oldham not far when we were making, I think it was, we got invited to do some uh, charity thing in, in one of the estates not far from where, where I grew up. And the, the mayor of Oldham was there leading us around and showing us this, that and the other. And all the kids who were like eight, nine, ten were just hurling all sorts of obscenities and verbal abuse at me. She didn't have a clue who neither of us were, so just thought it was just a torrent of <laughs> abusive little kids. Um, yeah. I, I love that. Um, but to move on from Shameless, um, one of my favourite questions that I love to ask people if you were booked in the West End to do a one-month run and you were doing a two-person show and the producer comes to you and says, with no financial restraints, like we've got as much money as we need, who would you want to be a co-star if you could pick? Don't know, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I mean, there's, there's loads of people that I'd like to work with who, who I haven't. Um, but it's always people who, who you know are on the top of the game who are going to push you yeah. and, and change the way you, you work. And that's that's when it's at its best. Yeah. Um, what's I always forget people's names as well. <laughs> Same. Oh, so am I. I. It happened not long ago. I was talking to somebody from um, that I went to college with, and I was saying something about uh, in college, and I went, "I've just had," yep. and she went, "Sabrina." I went, "Yeah, this week's episode, Sabrina." Just done the like the graphics for it twenty minutes ago, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Um, I always say Catherine Tate. That's who I'd love to do a West End run with. Right. Even though she would make me look like a piece of shit and I'm fully aware of it and ready for it, but... No, but that's yeah, but that's, that's how you learn. And, you know, she she wouldn't... You, you work together, oh, that's when it's at its best. She would make me look like in, a piece you know, of shit. You think? She is so <laughs> talented that I could, like... She could be given 10% and I could be given 110 and people would still be like, how did he get this part? I think you're doing yourself a disservice, I'm sure. <laughs> You'd be fine. Um... Do you have a favourite West audition story? Oh, there's, I mean, there's loads. There's loads. Like I said, through the 20s. Dude. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's changed so much now for everyone. And it's. I was thinking about this earlier, that there'll be a generation now that just aren't used to having auditions in a room. Yeah. You know, it's all going to be on self-tapes or, or like this on a Zoom call, you know, and getting cast. And it's happened to me not just because of lockdown and stuff. It's, it's going to start start happening which is great because i think it gives people starting out a better opportunity yeah. to be seen and also saves them a fortune if they're you know they're not in london and they're having to travel if, if that's the alternative but you know I'd, I'd go to auditions and travel down from manchester on the day find a way across london get in the audition say hello 
Then someone will ask me if I could swim. And they'd go, thank you very much. And you go back on the train, back home. And then people ask you, how did it go? And you go, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> this happened to me not long ago. I was um, I was doing an audition and I got through the whole audition, done the call back, done the next round. And the guy was like, okay, we would like to offer you the parts. I was like, banging. And he went, could you just send me a photocopy of your driver's license? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you got to drive in. The, the whole thing's a road trip film. Like it was a short film. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't have a license. I kind of missed that bit. And they were like, you having a laugh? Like, and I was like, I'm really sorry. All actors lie about what they can do until they get the job. I didn't lie. I just didn't realise that you were supposed to be yeah, driving. Yeah. It was 110% my fault. But I think that's what it does come down to is that I dropped out in January 2020 and had like a year out, even though we were in COVID. Um, I've had two in-person auditions, like in my lifetime, other than drama school right. auditions. The rest have been, mm -hmm. even drama school auditions this year were on Zoom. So yeah, it is, it's a little bit mental right. now that like I had one audition for a radio play that was in person. And I had one audition for a stage play that was in person. Other than that, everything's been self-tapes, yeah. meetings. And it's, I don't know, I've, I feel like I'm slightly missing out on the real actor's experience. Even though, like you said, it's saving me a shit ton of money not having to run up and down to London. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, for, for some people, it's a blessing that they're able to do it in the, their own yeah. home and have that comfort of being able to do it again. Because there's nothing worse than, and, you know, you speak of bad auditions. It's that thing of going down and then you gear yourself up and then you've got that 10 minute slot to, to nail it or not. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when you're going in and you're doing accents or something and then something comes out of your mouth, it's nowhere near where it should be. <laughs> and then there's no... There's <laughs> no getting around it. Oh, you just apologise and leave. But that that they're some of my favourite like things. Like one of my we're gonna play a game in a minute and it's all crazy drama school theatre stories. And they're some of my absolute favourite things. Uh, and I just absolutely thrive off of them. People tell me them and I'm like, oh well let me write that down, use that on the podcast. This episode of Drama School Dropout is brought to you by High Productions' brand new stage play, This Is Where We Get Off. This Is Where We Get Off follows the Moffat family through some of the most difficult days of their lives. Yvonne is seven months pregnant, her husband Philip is constantly disappearing and leaving dodgy phone bills behind. Their 18-year-old son Lip is debating joining the army and trying to navigate his love life. And their dog-breeding, sex-toy-selling neighbour Rhonda is still doing her weekly shop in their kitchen. How will they cope with the unexpected arrival of an estranged family member? Tickets for both show dates are now available from www.highproductions.co.uk What's coming up for you next? Have you got anything lined up where people can come and see you or see you on the telly? Um, no, for once, uh, I've got like an open an open future again. It's weird because I've, I've been lucky in the last few years that I've been on a series that's or a couple of series that have kind of been greenlit for the following years. But I think this time round, I'm, I'm going to jump out and, and start fresh again, which will be interesting. Yeah. Because it, you've always got to keep an eye on, on where you are as well, age-wise and stuff and and I think there's like, and it's different for everyone. You, you sort of realise yourself where you're at. So I definitely feel like I'm coming to the end of one cycle and about to come into a new one. I've, probably because I turned 50 next year. So I think that's got a bit of yeah. a bit of weight to it. So um, if anyone's got any work out there, um, email me and I will pass it on to um, 
lose assistant. Also, a big um, oh. like I've got to say, it, big thank you to Harry from Luke Olson. He has hooked me up. Yeah, well, it'd be nice to meet Harry. I've still. He has hooked me up a few times this summer. He's the one person that's no, never did. said no to me. It, 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 it was his um, recommendation that, that swayed it. So, oh, th- so yeah. he has been. I got um, you and Lorraine Stanley off of him, and he is. He has never said no to me. He's always really nice. Sends an email when we haven't spoke for a while. So big shout out to Harry. Like. Thank you so much. I hope you're thriving and doing well. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Like I said, I've not had a chance to meet him yet because he, he joined just, I think, just before all the lockdown happened. Yeah. So I've not even been down and seen people for ages. So that, that's that's what I need to do next. <laughs> go and say hello. Now that we can. Um, so no panto plans or anything like that for the... No, that's never... It's never pulled me in, but never say <laughs> never is should be an actor's motto because you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, some people always... And you can... You can never rule anything out. Some people say to me, and I'm like, no, I would never do that. Talking about um, a particular soap opera. And um, right. and somebody said it to me not long ago, and I was like, no, I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I'd rather actually go and get a real job than do that program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because of the reputation it's got. But don't get me wrong, maybe at the moment. But, see, job, but jobs like that, and, you know, I've done a few of them in the past, day, and, and that thing of just being able to have the experience to go on and, and learn and craft and, yeah. and, and work it out and... You know that an audience that watches that aren't necessarily the audience that are going to be casting and, and making the, the jobs that you're going to be going for mm. in the future. So it's I always I always took those jobs as a as a proper learning, yeah, educational. Probably the best to place to make mistakes, a, isn't it? Well, exactly, and I and I made a lot of them, but I, I did learn. You know, I went on and did, uh, and not knocking it because at the time, you know, like I say, work was hard to come by, so it was anything and everything. So. I remember going on Hollyoaks and, and I was like seen as some experienced member of the cast because I'd done about three other jobs elsewhere. But I was only young and I would proper, you know, learn and crafted and, and, and made mistakes, purposely yeah. made mistakes. Not intentionally to make the mistake, but looking and watching and then viewing it and going, I won't do that again. Yeah. Um, so what did you enjoy doing more, Hollyoaks or Coronation Street? Probably Hollyoaks for that reason. Yeah. Corrie's a different beast. You, mm. you walk into Corrie and you're walking into a... Into a room that you, you and all your family have been watching for 20 years. It's weird. It is weird. It's the only time I've been on set and I was physically shaking, <laughs> thinking this is weird. And not being able to switch off the, you know, the reality mm. switch because you're just there. Obviously, your storyline was not a, a good one. I don't mean a good one because it was great, but... Like your character was not necessarily a goodie. Did did you get much backlash from that from like the general public? Because obviously, like Coronation Street is a different beast and it's adored by millions of people all over the world. Not really, no. To be honest, it kind of went under the radar, which was good because it, like I say, I didn't realize just how much attention it would gather. And when I first went into it, that that storyline of um, the rape storyline wasn't on the on the yeah. agenda at all. It was just about, from what I remember, I think it was Toya's character befriending someone who got evicted yeah. and then found him on the street and then kind of looked after him. That was mm. it. And then if, and, and what happens a lot of the time with, with the soaps is then they'll write a storyline later and bring you back. And, yeah. stuff like, and then before you know it, you're being asked to do all sorts of things. And then 
I think they wanted to do a big court case, and I was like, no, just I didn't, I didn't fancy. I kind of done enough. Yeah. I dipped my toes in. I've made me grandma happy. She'd see me on Corey. <laughs> that's that, that was me. So. That's my thing. I, I want to be on one of the big three just to make me grandma happy. And she will be. She'll be delighted when it happens. Uh, but we're going to play a game now, and it's called Stage Right or Stage Shy. Um, these are three stories that are sent in by our listeners. One of them is made up by our producer Heather, and two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And one of them is a big fat lie. And I've got the answer in a sealed envelope, so I can play along with you. It's genuinely. So there's one lie. One lie. One so lie. we're looking for one, one stage lie. shite. Yeah. These are genuinely okay. some of my favourite things in the entire world. Number one, in drama school, me and my best mate had a massive prank war throughout our time, and this is the story of how I won. I was teching his last ever show because I'd been in the show the week before, and the show started with him being hungover and having to take a drink directly from a drug- jug of water and pour it over himself. But I bought a litre of vodka, and that was what went in the jug. He took a large drink and poured it over his face and the look of horror on his face was priceless. When he came off stage, he just looked at me, applauded and declared that I had won the war. Uh, Number two, as a theatre rusher, I've seen and heard all the best stories, but this is one of the best ones that has happened right before lockdown. We had an amateur playing and the director was a first time director who had apparently filled the show with projections, which to the shock of all of us ushers and the audience who had not been warned were full frontal nude pictures of the cast. I've never felt so awkward. Number three, my college lecturer genuinely told the two people that were playing Romeo and Juliet to go away and have sex with each other to find some chemistry because, and I quote, their acting was abysmal and they were apparently letting the side down. Depending on how long ago that was, I'm calling number three bullshit if it happened in the past 10 years. Um, see, <laughs> I just I don't think you'd get away with telling two kids to go and have sex with each other now. Not, not maybe not now. Maybe it might get suggested in a in a roundabout. Yeah. Way. But no, I know I know a few people that have had those sorts of things. Not like I say suggested. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd say the middle one is the the shit one, the bullshit one. Right. Well, I'm gonna go for three. You can go for two. I'll go for two, and we'll find out. No, there's, sometimes there's just ones that you don't want to be true. Yeah. Like I know. I've had some grim ones that are like about um people buying their kids um flowers, but they're actually sexy Valentine's flowers with lacy thongs in the middle, and right. and you sort of just like don't care about the other two as long as that one is the lie. I'm okay. Um, but it was number three. Number three. It was number three. Oh, I just, I, I don't think you would really get away with telling two people in your college, like even if they're not kids, because I was thinking like I wasn't a kid when I was in college, but I still don't think you'd get away with telling two 18-year-olds to go and have sex. No, but it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. No, it either. wouldn't surprise me either, but I was just sort of thinking logistically, I could see me and my mates having a prank war. And there are some weird people out there that would put full frontal nude pics in a show. Yeah. Um, but we've come to the yeah. end of the podcast now. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I am genuinely one of my favourite actors. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And if you're ever in Glasgow, I, I know where to get good, cheap vodka. Not just cheap vodka. I know where to get the good shit. Excellent. So I will stand you the first round if you're ever in, in Glasgow. So is that you pouring the vodka over someone's face and switching it no i i no i could just see that no. it, i could do something like that like with one of my best mates if i'd known them for long enough like in their last year of drama school i wouldn't have an issue with switching my best mates props out on stage in drama school no like i don't know yeah but um i, I will pour the vodka I, i'll buy a couple yeah. of liters and i'll pour the vodka if you're ever in glasgow 
And you said you were at uni now then. So what are you doing? So at I'm uni? doing um so I dropped out. I was on um a yeah. BA acting and I dropped out because I had a fun time and now I'm back on another BA. Right. So I'm basically just sort of And how long's that course for? That that's another So if I don't yeah. want to do the honours, it finishes in like June. If I want to do the honours, it's another year. Don't necessarily know. I don't really know what I'm doing to be fair. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I'm going tomorrow. Well, no, well that's that's fine, and you shouldn't put any pressure on yourself either. Well, I say twenty twenty is a tricky twenty twenties are hard, yeah, and it's hard to get to get in the door. I mean, I I did do the drama school thing. I did a mate of mine borrowed his dad's car. I told him we were going to the shops, and we drove to London for me audition at Central. I think it was. But I was I was too young. I was only seventeen when I was going down there, so that was kind of the, the rejection. Well, in fact, one the only I think I think I'd applied to about three or four yeah. maybe. Two of them sent letters back saying, "No, you're too young," and here's your check back which was fair play to one. Yeah. And the other two actually made me go and audition and then said no and took money. And I still can't believe the charging for, for drama school auditions. I think it's scandalous. 85 could a pop. Is that what yeah. it is now? No, it's shocking. It's, shocking. I think it's £56 in actual drama school fees and 20-something in UCAS fees. So you only have to pay the 25 quid once, but I only auditioned for one proper drama school. Right. Um. I didn't like going and do the London thing and that because I'm not a fan of London. No, but you get to know it. Yeah. You know, it is worth, it's a, it's an experience. Well, my mum lives down that way. So that I like, I, I know of it and I know I can get myself around London easy enough, but yeah, I'm just not a fan. No, well, I wasn't afraid and then I got to know it and then I did live there for maybe a year, but then that was just before Shayla's and then they were being brought back. Mm. So there was no point spending a fortune in London. <laughs> yeah. And- working in Manchester no not at all but that's happened so many times that switch around from moving to one end and then getting the job in the other and having to go yeah <laughs> must be a fucking Stop nightmare but, <laughs> yeah but then you get used to just being in the car or on a train yeah. or traveling uh where can everyone find you on social media you can't are you not a so are you not on social media <laughs> no no I can't I, I dip my toe in and I didn't I don't know it wasn't it, I think for me it just didn't suit it was like I don't, I've always been reluctant on that yeah. front. But it's easier to just, I think, you know, if you, if you, some people, you know, that's part of the attraction to the business mm. to be out there and, and have that Facebook. It, it's never been my, um, yeah. So no, no social media. <laughs> so no, I was on there briefly. And like I said, more to understand what it was and how yeah. it works. And, and I kind of quickly understood that everybody uses it how they want to mm. use it. So it doesn't have a, one yeah, there's not a system, there's not. and that's why there's so much clashing on there because you just sort of. And then I realized all I was looking at was the news, mm. so I just thought I'll stop this and do something proper. And then I got Duolingo, so I've been learning <laughs> Spanish since I thought I'd do something yeah. productive with it. No, the, the social media is shit. like, not gonna lie, like, I'm addicted to it, like, full on. Like, oh no, well, I was doing the same thing, just looking at and going, What am I actually doing? It, what am I actually getting from this? And I was getting nothing. like three o'clock in the morning. I was scrolling through Twitter, I was like, There's nobody up to say anything at this time of the morning, so like, put yeah. the phone down, go to sleep. And then 10 seconds later, you pick it up just in and case. I started scrolling through Instagram. It's an addiction, well, exactly, yeah, and it is, it's addictive. Would you, um, because it's obviously it's nearly been 10 years since I think it's been over 10 years actually since Shameless finished, would you go back and do a reunion? Because I know there were. There were talks about doing something last year. It was very much Jodie Latham put an Instagram story up of a camera saying doing something for Shameless. Right. Well, no. Would you not go back? I, I don't think so, because I think when I went back that second time, that was my reunion. Yeah. 
and it was kind of done then. And then it was also, like I say, it was so different from the original. Mm. And we, we I think, I, and it's at the time we thought we were making good choices and things, but I, I don't think they were. I think if, if, it, if I could go back and do the second time again, I think we'd make different choices about what what we'd do. Man. I think um, a lot of it was as well, a lot of the original cast had gone. The, by the, yeah. Because there's a point in like the last series where there's four or five originals and yeah. it's like, and I just sort of lose interest at that last bit. But like, I feel like if they were bringing it back, they would have to bring back Kevin Veronica, uh, Warren, uh, Kelly Hollis, all of the Gallagher's. Like, and I, I don't know. I think a lot of people have just passed their time with it. Yeah, and 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 like so we're going going back. I mean, it was it was it was disorganized chaos. Yeah, I remember going in and Noonie was the second at like five to seven. I got a call. I think I think it was an episode that Threlfall was directing. Yeah, and he just put the phone down, put his arms hands in his head, and went, "I've got to find six dwarves and a Sergio Aguero lookalike by eight o'clock in the morning." It's just madness. Yeah, no, because the scripts had changed that much. It will always have a special place in my heart, though. But I think sort of like you get three quarters way through the last series and I just sort of, that's when I pick up my phone yeah. and stop watching it. And- See, I've not, I'm, I've not watched a lot of the the, the late ones, mm. but I can, yeah, it kind of drifted into a different place completely. I think the, the thing that upsets me the most is the last episode. It's not a last episode of anything. They just got a few of them back and were like, we're done. Yeah, who, who came back in the end? Lip, Carl, Monica, Fiona. So we were only missing Debbie and so Rebecca Ryan and and Jed didn't come back. Ian oh no, didn't he didn't come, come back. back either. I completely forgot about him. He didn't come back. No, um, Paddy Maguire or that didn't come back. Like you know, just like the main players. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, I remember being there when they did the. I think it was the hundredth episode, and I was expecting that to be mm. a bit more of a. And that again, because I think Paul wrote that, mm. didn't he? The, the hundred. Kevin came back for the last That's one. That's right. And, it was, and we never crossed for some reason. I don't think I saw Dean at that time. It was just very much like it just felt like they'd, they'd phoned a few people up and said, do you want to come back and do one episode? Instead of, do you want to come back and finish this? Yeah. Well, I said nothing. It, it was it was all a bit chaotic. Mm. So you didn't know what was going on. I didn't we didn't I didn't even know what series I was in. Yeah. Towards the end. I didn't know because I went in to do one thing and then for uh, what the fuck, I can't even remember the readings, but the storyline and the people I was working with was completely different to what I'd signed up yeah. for. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's also like the nature of working in the beast that is telly, isn't it? Yeah, more so now than ever because everything's so quick. Mm. Thank you so much for coming on, genuinely. One of my favourite actors, I know I've said it a few times, and it's genuinely one of the highlights of my year that I've got to chat with you. Well, thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to um, share a bit of time with you and good luck with the future projects that come your way thank you so much and like i said if you're ever in glasgow i will stand the first couple of rounds so just let me know marvelous it's like that i fancy a drink now so i'm gonna i'm gonna just um <laughs> go to glasgow for a couple of drinks and i can't blame you from this start <laughs> if you I've ever got the day off, have you if you ever are just message harry and say ingram said can you just my phone number's on the bottom of every email just be like give me ingram's phone number ingram said it's fine i'll tell you <laughs> um i'll tell you but thank you so much for coming on i'll let you get back to your, your day thank you very much thank you enjoy your day
And there we have it. Another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 59 completed. Thank you so much to Jack for coming on the podcast. And make sure to keep up to date with him and to follow me on social media because he doesn't have it. You'll find me on all social media platforms at Ingram Noble. And if you're feeling extra generous, please make sure to leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know and it's free so it can be my Christmas present and I'll love you all forever. And if you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. I'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode, the last episode of 2021. What a crazy year it's been. And I'll be joined by one of the most talented students ever to grace the stage of East High. So please make sure to come back next Tuesday. Have a great week. Have a lovely Christmas. Stay safe. I love you. Drama school dropout No graduation day for you Drama school dropout Thought your whole course, now try something new Drama school dropout